Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of Business in Heels podcast. This is part two of a part two series that we're doing, a very special series where we're connecting with authors who have contributed a chapter to the book, War, Finding Your Strength Within. Last week we had part one and today we're speaking with the next group of authors who contributed to the book. Now a little bit about the book and then each the author share a little bit about her chapter and what inspired her to share her story. But this book is a collection of stories uh, which show the might and the power of nine women who refuse to be beaten. Together, they have endured hardship, broken marriages, health crises, natural disaster, self-doubt, parental discouragement, and more. Yet, with grit and determination and fire in their bellies, they have forged on and rebuilt their lives. And their courage, their resilience, and deep sense of purpose, well, that has enabled each of them to find her path. I think each of the authors want to inspire and empower other women who may have gone through or are going through a similar situation that she has gone through to be able to empower them that, look, there is a way forward. So, Christy, we're going to pop over to you first and have a chat about your chapter. So, you are from your body and soul, the Collective Coaching Academy, and the title of your chapter is The Scream. But let me share a little bit about you. You were born in New Zealand. I'm, I'm a former Kiwi as well. You began your career managing corporate travel offices in London, and you recognised the signs of burnout, and you also trained in reflexology. Now, a quote that you've shared in the book is, the panic kept rising in my chest like waves of an incoming tide, the intensity building with each breath. And eventually the screaming inside my head escaped. A guttural primal sound exploded and reverberated around the tiny tiled room and an outpouring of anger wrapped in sadness. How could this be happening? So Christy, welcome. Share a little bit about your chapter, The Scream. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Um, when the ladies at Business and Heels reached out and we were talking about sharing part of our journey, something that's always stood out to me is that when you see someone who maybe is coping really well or you get comments like, oh, you're so this or you're so strong or you're so positive, it's like everyone sees what's going on now but they don't see the journey that it took to get here. And I think that especially in the world of social media is that we do that a lot. We, we see where someone's at and what they're doing and, and what's going on. They're always shouting the positives, but we don't necessarily understand the story behind the glory as such. So I thought it was really important as a, as a parent to a child with additional needs to explain that the reason today that I show up and I stay positive and I can cope now is because I went through a journey of dark days and um uh, even just hearing you read that back to me, it's a scene that is so embedded in myself from, you know, the day of the diagnosis and it's when everything changed for us. Now, for years, specifically the months, but even years afterwards, I couldn't even talk about um, what was going on with our family without feeling this intense flood of emotion and that connection, what we what we call an, an, an anchor in NLP. is like I was so anchored to the emotion mm -hmm. and it stopped me from being productive and positive and it, it really turned everything on my head. So it was a journey that I took for myself personally to get back to a place where I could be the role model and I could instill the values that I wanted in, in the family but also for my son to not live into the victimhood of circumstance to be able to turn around and make the most out of every day and and um and, and try and live you know from a much more productive space so it was important to me to share that i'd gone through that um and that there are tools that other people can can lean into if they're going through something similar 
Yes. And I love the way that you've stepped out vulnerably and courageously, because as you say, there are so many times that we see, we read, we view the stuff on social and we see the afters and many of the things that um, people have gone through, which you obviously have shared some of those insights today, but you go deeper into the chapter. Um, We don't see that, do we? So when you wrote the book, was there a particular person that you had in mind that you thought, if she is going to read the book, this is who I want to be to, to inspire and empower? Was there a special someone or a group of people? Who would you Just like? Re- yeah, re- I mean, really mums or, or any parent, it's relative to where you have like this vision for your life or, or, or anyone that's going through this space and then uh, a health crisis or a condition or a diagnosis or something comes along that's completely out of your control um, perhaps an accident that completely changes the trajectory of where you thought you were going and that that feeling of loss and you sort of grieve that life that you thought you were going to be living and how to sort of step in and that's one of the quotes that I always you know when I read it, it was such a moment you know of of learning to love the life that you're going to lead you know stop being so focused on what you thought you were doing um, so it's I have a picture in my mind of almost like train tracks. You know, you, you think you're going this way, and then all of a sudden something happens, and you're going off in a completely new direction. And just being able to learn how to adapt and to deal with all that emotion that comes with such a massive life event, um, instead of staying stuck in it, how do you find that space to be be okay with where you're going now, um, even though it's completely different to where you thought you would be. Yeah, love that. Love that answer. You know, so often we'll hear or we'll see, and for those of us who are in Australia, uh, we know that uh, some of the natural disasters that some of our authors spoke about last week and have written a chapter uh, and devoted a chapter towards, some of the people are experiencing, particularly in New South Wales, with floods and things like that. And I don't know about you, ladies, Chrissy and Liz, we're going to hear from you in a moment, but I often look at the the devastation that a lot of those families, when their house is under the water, their livelihoods gone. And we think, I don't know how we would cope, you know. But Chrissy, as, as you've said, if you have a life-altering experience, and this could be through an illness, a physical, um, you know, situation that you need to deal with, or whatever it might be, you know, so often we realise, or, or we we just have this inner strength, if you will, this grit and determination, as as uh, the the chapter or the overview of the book. So when you go back to that moment, did you and and learned, I guess, and grew along the way? Were you often that you actually did have the strength and it was up to you to make that decision you know that one foot forward moving you know each day share a little bit about that because I think that could be super helpful for people who are right at the beginning of their journey well I think I think a a really interesting thing that comes up is often in the in the groups of parents with with additional needs is, is there'll be like a meme or something that says you know when people say oh you're this was given to you because you were strong. This challenge was given to you because you're stronger. It's like we're not we're not stronger because of it. We're, we're stronger because we have to, because you have to get up every day and you have to deal with it. And I'm so inspired by other families and um, other, you know, parents that go through so much more than we do at the moment. So I sort of lean on them to gain their strength, you know, sort of thing. So part of my journey was learning the tools to reconnect with that strength. So what I what I did learn was specific tools and modalities that enabled me to shift myself out of feeling, you know, sorry for myself or feeling, you know, upset and dealing with the anger and the grief and learning how to manage that and turn that into feeling more in control and confidence. So it's actually something that I've learned to do on purpose um, and have them now because of COVID, I was at home. I kept studying through my diploma. What started as a personal journey has now become my professional you know, yes. mission is to be able yeah. to teach these tools to other people to yeah, help them. The back, so. Did you hear about those uh, different tools and modalities from somebody else or how did you stumble across them? Because you're obviously going to uh, open up this whole new world of, you look, there are these things that you can use, these t- tools to mm-hmm. someone who may not even be aware that they're available. Yep, I remember specifically we were at lunch and I can remember the table. Uh, my friend had gone through a uh, similar training um, for herself and instead of sending me to her or one of her um, other students for a session as the 
um, client, she said, I think you'd be really great if you went and learned these tools. As a reflexologist, I was already in the space of really working with people to help them feel better, you know, deal with pain and, 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 and that sort of stuff going on in their life. So it was a natural progression. Um, I had heard of timeline therapy, NLP, hypnosis, that sort of thing, but I'd never thought to study it um but it was a nudge particularly from from one friend who said you should go do it and it just one of those things where it just all falls perfectly in alignment um the next course the dates everything just with ease uh it it began and like i said her personal journey it was i was only ever there to learn how to shift myself um mm. and i guess the silver lining out of covid was that it, being allowed you know being at home um, the reflexology clinic closed. I was in a space to to study and realize that I can I can use this to turn around and, and help other people. So yes, yeah. been a big, I think big a lot of people of have reinvented <laughs> themselves, haven't they? To very um, much. It was a time to pivot. That was the time to do it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you look back to um, and Jenny, welcome to the call. Just hi mute there's a little bit of an echo coming through there so that would be wonderful thank you um if you look back then over the journey to your friend having lunch at that table and being shared um that there's these tools and modalities available I don't know about you, but many people that I have spoken to, and it's similar to, to kind of what you've said too, you experience this personal journey and you think, oh, that could be really helpful. And then you realise, oh, my goodness, I can help others who may be going through the experience. So we often live and walk the journey that we can then go and support others, be the guide, be the coach, be the mentor, if, if you will. And so... I would imagine that you would love to be able to, through your chapter, give someone hope and that possibility that, you know, with these tools and just a way to be able to reframe, you're able to then give yourself the support you need to take that next step, take that next step. Have you ever wished, and I, you know, I say this with a little bit of jest because sometimes I'll often say, I'm now teaching the things that I wish I could have taught my younger self. Do you wish are you now teaching the things and sharing that you wish um, maybe your friend had have told you years before? Um, oh, so much. Look, I was very, very blessed that those corporate travel years that I spent in London, my role models and mentors and and leaders were very Tony Robbins, you know, attendees. We we had that sort of element of personal development um, built into a, an area of training. But what I learned in these past few years going through what I did, I wouldn't have applied it in the same way had my situation not come about. Yes. So, yes, would these tools have helped me immensely, um, but would I have used it? It's, it's more important that I did it during this time to deal with a scenario specifically that came up to give me the depth and, and have the biggest momentous shift because um, I think like you say, that lived experience of coming through darkness and times of massive challenge in our life. I hadn't had that previously. Um, to an outsider, it was a very wonderful, blessed life of, of amazing things, which which they encouraged me to share in that first sort of paragraph, you know, the business class travel and the, the, the incredible life that was being, you know, lived and planned um, and how that sort of toppled, toppled around me. But um, I think everything... I don't, I was going to say everything happens for a reason. I, I don't necessarily believe that specifically, but I understand that the circumstances happened at the time and that the tools that I found because of that event, as I've taken much more seriously and will have a much more monumentous change moving forward on other people had I, had I learned that when I was earlier, yeah. uh, earlier on, if that makes sense. It does, absolutely. And, you know, when we think about the, the significant change that many of us around the world were thrust into and the ongoing need to be agile and to be able to look at certain situations and be able to adjust and, and shift and so forth, Many of your experiences, and I'm I'm not saying that, you know, we're measuring anything. So often we do that as women, don't we? Yeah, but this and that and the other. So it doesn't matter because everyone handles things differently, isn't it? And if you've got the tools and the resources. One of the things that you mentioned too, and I wonder what you believe is so important, that you said the, the community, your friend, how important has it been for you to have just the resources we've spoken about, but community around you, a support network? 
Uh, it's an interesting question because we had packed up our entire life uh, in Sydney. We'd, we'd moved from London to Sydney for a couple of years and we left Sydney to move to Geelong and two weeks, it was two weeks earlier that we had the diagnosis. So I had no support, which was part of the problem. So uh, my parent, my family's in New Zealand, my husband's family's in Spain. Uh, so how important is it? Incredibly, I didn't have it. And that was part of what created such a, a challenging time to go through. Um, so do I appreciate the people and the support and the community I have around me today? Absolutely. It is paramount, 100%. Um, and if you don't have the community finding it, uh, reaching out, looking for support groups, reaching out to local services, finding a way to find the people that, that can support you. So uh, completely yes. But I have to say I absolutely loved what you just said then about everyone's doing the best with the resources that they have because I close my chapter with that quote that we're, we're all sailing. It's like a metaphor of life is that we're all sailing on different boats through a different, you know, through the same storm. But, you know, some of us are in the middle, some of us are on the outside, some people are on super yachts, some people have got one oar. <laughs> yeah. But the most important thing is that if you don't look up and wave and ask for help, nobody will really know what's going on for you. So yeah. it is really important that if you are struggling to, to just that first step, which can be the hardest, but just being able to reach out and say, all right, something's not right and I'm not coping, I need support or tools where do I go what do I do yeah and there's always a way through I love that analogy of the boat that you use and um I was thinking about the analogy that we've heard I'm sure all of us have heard where the burning of the boats you know how and and it, it, as you were sharing your story I was reminded of of that not that you would have burned your boat but I think the circumstance and this is what you said you had no other choice you mm -hmm. you were you know, shared something, someone told you about a certain situation that you were now in and you were facing that and you had to make a decision. And it's kind of like that burning the boat. Some of us keep cruising on a boat that we know we should have gotten off. And it's one of those things, isn't it? You can keep doing, going and sailing in the way that you've always sailed, but unless you burn that boat and, you, you know, use the tools and resources and so forth um, that are available to you, you will keep sailing around and around and around and get nowhere. Isn't it true? That's, that's so it. And I say tie your boats together yeah. and, and go look for the rainbows because through the darkness on the other side there often is, you know, silver linings. There are there are things that whilst don't get stuck on all the things that are going wrong, just see if you can find one or two little things that are that are going right. Absolutely. And the more that you focus on that, find your rainbows. Yeah, absolutely. Christy, I know you uh, have, have got a chapter in the book that we're talking about, Raw. Uh, how can people find out more about the work that you do? What's a great way for them to connect with you? I am probably mostly on Facebook, Your Body and Soul, but S-O-L-E for feet for my reflexology. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Or Christy Stobbs, find me directly. I'm based outside of Geelong, but I work online and would love to connect with anyone going through something that they they need some support with, for sure. Fantastic. And, of course, you can read Chrissy's chapter along with Liz and Jenny, who we're going to talk to in a moment. Uh, probably best place to go, really, is uh, businessandheels.com.au or individually, I'm sure any of the authors here have got books available that you can grab from their websites. Thank you, Chrissy. Um, we'll pop you back in the uh, studio here and we'll bring forward Liz. So as that is happening, let me see here. There we go. Liz, let me share a little bit more about your chapter and then we'll get you to dive in and, and share a little bit more about the backstory. So your chapter is called, or is from Burnout to Balance, A Journey by Design. Your company, I believe, is what your customers want. So let me share a little bit about uh, you. You had a childhood. You grew up in regional Australia. Um, you've worked in all aspects of building, growing and managing businesses. And now you run your own business, helping others to do this. And you are good at picking yourself up and going again. You know your why. And it helps set boundaries, provides focus for you, and it gives you a reason to purposely connect with others. I love that. And here's your quote from the book or one of the quotes from your book, I don't know what triggered my crying, but there I was on a Zoom call with colleagues bursting into tears, uh, sobbing. I was at breaking point and knew I had to do something because this is the first time I'd been here. Tell us a little bit more about your chapter, Liz. 
Thank you so much, Anne-Marie, and thank you so much to Business and Heels for giving me the opportunity to tell this story. Um, I think the reason why I really wanted to write this story is that a lot of colleagues and friends and women that I know, they don't recognise when they're at that point. They, they don't recognise that they're at breaking point. I think we, we you know, almost uh, similar to the, the sailing story where you, you're on that ship and you know you should get off or you, perhaps you don't even know you should get off, you just keep sailing. And then at some point, whether it's whether it's your body or your mind, but something just snaps and says, just stop. You know, you're, you're doing too much. You know, we take on so much as women. We take on so much of other people's, um, you know, lives. We take on so much work. We, we do a lot and kind of get into this mode of superwoman um, and then wonder why sometimes that we're we're tired or we're, we're not getting other things done or we're losing motivation or something else is happening and we blame ourselves we kind of blame ourselves instead of stepping back and looking at the circumstances and saying am I actually okay right now mm-hmm. and similar to Chrissy you know people don't necessarily understand the journey that got you to where you are but I think often we don't understand what's going on with people just generally you know, you see, you see the great Instagram or Facebook posts or every time, you know, we're almost conditioned when we meet someone and they say, how's things? You go, yeah, good, good. It's all good. It's great. It's great. It's all good. But in reality, often it's not. And we're not encouraged to actually speak up and say, actually, something's not right and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was about sharing that moment where, um, you know, again, we're often taught not to be vulnerable. We're taught that, you know, you've got to kind of keep that keep that veneer and not be vulnerable, certainly not with colleagues. And I just I just had a, a breakdown and it wasn't my first. And that was that was the scary thing for me is that how did I get back here? How did I, you know, get back into this position where things just aren't right? And I wanted to kind of if you like, share my story so that people, almost to give people permission to say, actually, I'm not right Mm. or things aren't okay and what can I do about that? Yeah. What I love about what you've said there is that so often we do have uh, inklings, don't we, that, look, something's not right. And we may sometimes tell ourselves that, look, I'll just keep going, things will be all right. Or maybe even that's what people around us will say to us, oh, you'll be right, you know, whatever it might be. That it, it, But really it's, and it sounds like it got to a stage where, look, it wasn't right. And the more we ignore that in a kind of hang on a minute, something needs to be done because we need to intentionally address what is going on that is causing that. So for you, and I know that you unpack this a lot more in further in the book, but I'd love to share this because I think for many of us, you know, we may have coped with certain things, but now with all of the things being piled on and on and on and on, we can't just keep moving forward and saying everything. And that saying that Australians have, she'll be right, mate. Well, she won't be right, mate. There's something that we need to do. So what was it for you? I mean, obviously the situation with the, the Zoom the Zoom call, that's a pretty big wake-up call. But what other things were happening previously that if others are experiencing that they can then put up a red flag for themselves and say hey Liz was sharing this that's happening to me what were some of those other signs um the key one probably was that I was working really hard but I wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing so it was it was like you know you're doing the do and 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 it was becoming increasingly harder to get things done because it just wasn't fulfilling. It just wasn't, um, you know, if you like, filling my cup. And I knew that there were things that could do that. So that was probably, you know, one of those things. But again, you at the time, it was that when that actually happened, it was COVID. And and my thoughts at the time was, I should feel privileged that I'm actually got things to do. Mm. when so many of my colleagues didn't at that time you know it was that very much I have no right to feel 
anything other than privileged right now. I have no right to feel anything else. Um, but I knew that, you know, things weren't getting done the way that I wanted them to, or they were getting done, but it was it was really hard work. Every every day was hard work. Yeah. And I think that was and and you know, the harder you worked and it, you just didn't get any further, if you like. Yeah. And it's almost like the systematic, very slow, the systematic, you know, structure of the life that you'd, the journey, the, the steps, isn't it? The, the ongoing yeah. steps. And I, I can certainly relate to that. And one of the key things that you said here, and I want to pick up on this because I think this is another area that many of us can, can keep an eye out. And this is boundaries. You said you help others now set those boundaries. Yeah. So often as women, we don't want to let people down. We will say yes to things that really we should say no to. So we stretch ourselves too thin. Many of us are juggling all sorts of different, you know, areas of our lives, compartments, if you will. Speak a bit about boundaries, your, um, you know, what you, what boundaries mean to you and some of the things that you often see us as women doing that really we need to not do when it comes to boundaries because we will continue to spread ourselves thin. That's a, that's a really interesting question, Anne-Marie, and I think um, the, first, the first thing about boundaries is what I'd say is that when we do say no, we always put caveats and conditions and apologies and things like that around it, but when often we take on things, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if you're going to give something to someone, give it to a busy person because you know they'll get it done, whereas, in fact, the busy person's already busy and um, and it's the busy person who's often the one who does take on more and more and more. And I think one of the things that we love to take on is other people's problems mm. um, and, and we also love to, um, so we're always, not always, we, we if, if someone says to us, oh, I just can't do this um, right at the moment, so oh, that's okay, I'll pick it up, I'll do that for you, you know, I'll do that for you. Or if someone's having a bad day, don't worry, I'll, I'll go do that thing for you or I'll pick up that piece of work for you or, you know, we're, we're very quick to pick up other people's dropped balls yes. um, without first considering are we the right person to be picking it up but also do we have the energy? Do we have the energy to pick up that ball right now. And one of the things that I've learned to do and I love uh, teaching women how to do is simply to say no. No, that doesn't suit me right now. Yeah. And it's and no excuse. There's no, no need for an excuse. We don't need to apologise for not picking up other people's balls or for not doing things if, if it's just if we just can't cope right now with that now of course there are always moments where particularly with kids or with partners and that sort of thing where you've just got to say yes um and figure it out later and 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 i that used to be one of my sayings say yes and then figure it out later um but more and more now particularly around work um i i'm actually saying no i can't do that right now yeah that's really important, isn't it? And and the title, From Burnout to Balance, A Journey by Design. I mean, I love that title and it really is intentional, isn't it? Your yes. life, the, the circumstances, the things that you do during the day, the week, the month and so on is really very much by design. And, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about balance and what balance for me may be very different to balance to you, to the balance that Chrissy has and, and Jenny has in her life too. It's recognising what is it for me that I need, how often as women have we never really taken the opportunity to ask, what do I want? What do I need? What kind of environment do, do I need? You know, have you found this to be true? Absolutely. And I think one of the one of the key things that I learned to do was actually articulate what my needs were, which is, is, is a great tool I love to teach um, other women as well, because sometimes we don't recognize what our needs are and they could be really really simple things like seven hours sleep or something like that that we know that if we don't get them then we're cranky or things just don't we know that our energy isn't in the next day or isn't in the next week if we don't get certain needs fulfilled but we don't recognize often recognize what they are but when you know what they are and you're intentional about meeting them life 
just changes. And mm. I also encourage people to share what their needs are with, with the people around them. And it's it's um, great when you hear stories and even even with my daughter, you know, it's kind of like, you know, on mum, did you did you get your seven hours sleep last night? You know, they're very they're now my my family and are very aware of what I've articulated as my needs. Yeah. Um and and now I'm quite careful about uh protecting those, if you like, mm-hmm. and making sure it's my responsibility that they're met. And so by sharing with others, um, they're actually helping me, you know, fulfill that responsibility as well. Yeah, I'm giggling to I'm giggling to myself, Liz, because we have a bit of a standing joke. My husband and I will often do this to each other, you know, sharing your needs. It's like I'm kind of hearing this right now, but I really need to hear this. I can't remember what movie we saw that of. And my eldest daughter, oh, sorry, my youngest daughter, who still lives at home, um, she'll often I'll come in there and I'll talk in the morning, and she goes, "Mum, it's just early morning, and I'm just hearing." You know, all right, I'll let you calm down and get settled into the morning. And we just have a bit of a joke around that. But all jokes aside, it's important to be able to know what it is that you need and to be able to communicate that to others and stick with those boundaries. So important, isn't it? And I think just on that, you know, when 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 you when you hear the uh, you know the the airline safety announcement, put your own mask on first. As women, we don't, and we really need to make sure, you know, you can actually do more, you can help people, but you need to make sure you're looking after yourself first, that you're replenishing yourself on a regular basis, that you are actually looking after yourself and meeting your needs. And and I've found that since I've been doing that, I've been able to take on more without feeling depleted. Yes. You know, it's, 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 you know, when you look after your own needs first, put that mask on you first, then so much more can be possible. Yeah, so true. You know, you're talking about uh, the mask. I heard another analogy, which was, which is a good one as well, just like the one that you reminded us of. It was a mother who said to her young children, said, you know how mummy um, plays with you and gets you things and things like that. She said, well, my energy is like a fruit bowl. And what happens when you take fruit out of it and there's no fruit left? There's no fruit left to have. Well, when mummy says I need to replenish or fill up my fruit bowl, it means mummy needs a bit of you know quiet time on her own and so forth and she would often say mummy needs a fruit bowl and you know how you said your daughter would say to you do you have, did you get seven hours sleep her kids then would say to her do you need to go and fill up your fruit bowl mum but it's true you can share these kind of analogies with our kids can't we and um yes. and then that is such a great role model for our children too isn't it it is it is, it is. and I think you know I looked back and, and one of the things that I did reflect on in my chapter was my mum did replenish herself. She was actually a great role model for me, but I'd forgotten that. Yeah. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. What a wonderful uh, reminder uh, yeah. of, of that. So, Liz, how can people find out more about you? How can, can they connect with you? So they can connect. I'm also on Facebook um, and my website, what your customers want, what the website, Website URL is yourcustomers.com.au. Um, if they like the book, it's through Business in Heels, though I don't have the book on my website. Um, I'd love for people to buy that through Business in Heels. So, yes, they can connect with me on Facebook, uh, What Your Customers Want or Liz Grant and yourcustomers.com.au. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing more about your chapter. So let us bring Jenny to this screen here and uh, Jenny let me just introduce a little bit more about you so we're getting a little bit of feedback here so what I might do is I'll just pop Jenny on uh, mute here while I speak and then when you speak I'll put myself on mute so your business is called Bond Hair Religion and your title is Fight to flight. Now, you uh, support highly successful businesswomen in the Australian hairdressing industry, and you're determined sometimes to the point of bloody mindedness. I love that. You're driven to ease the burdens and enhance the physical and psychological well being of vulnerable people in our community. You've won national awards for business success, customer care, training, sustainability, and humanitarian efforts, to name a few. 
and you recently received an Order of Australian Medal from the Governor-General for your contribution to the Australian hairdressing industry and humanitarian efforts. Congratulations. Let me just share a quote from your chapter. To show the world how perfect we were, my mother would send us across the road and using hand signals, we had to let her know when the curtains were balanced so that everyone saw only perfection within what we knew would be our four prison walls. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, let me unmute and let's love to hear more about you, Dr. Jenny. Um, hi, everybody. Thanks for having me today. Um, yeah, look, it was such a joy to, to get the opportunity to write this chapter um, writing is not really my staple um, and putting myself out there for people that aren't within my normal circle to hear my story was quite, you know, um, I was quite anxious about it. But um, I realised that I talk a lot about my childhood and a lot about my life with my clients, um, with people within the industry, because I hope that it shows that no matter what you've been through, your life can be whatever you dream it to be. Um, and, you know, this has led me to being um, very supportive of other vulnerable people, uh, women in domestic violence, children in sexual abuse or other kinds of abuse. So, you know, for me, um, I can look at my past and think to myself, well, that, that was something that happened to me and I've moved forward and I hope that the years that I've had since I was um, 13, 14, that I've been able to then give back to the rest of the world and, and help other people um, with an understanding of what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. And what I asked uh, all of the other um, authors, and I'd love for you to give your feedback on this too, as you're writing your book or, or chapter of the book and were putting thoughts down on, on paper, were you writing this for um, a specific person or individuals and hoping when this person reads my story, I hope that, and that's exactly what I would love you to share a little bit more, when someone reads your chapter, what do you hope it will provide, empower uh, the, the reader? Um, I think when I started it and, and while I was writing it, I realised I was writing it for my little inner child um, the one that needed to be protected and the one that needed to be heard. That was really important to me. Um, you know, a, a chapter doesn't cover even a quarter or, or an eighth of, of what we've been through, as, as the other gorgeous women would know. Um, but, you know, for me, it, it's, it's to show people that it's always difficult when you have really hard times in your life. But your choice is the one to step away from that and not allow those things to have power over you anymore. For me, it was all about these people have done terrible things to me. Now, do they still control my life and do I give it energy or do I stand up and say, okay, you might have chosen to do that when I was vulnerable, but now I'm an incredibly strong and determined and bloody-minded woman who um, who wants to show that, it doesn't matter what you've been through. Um, with empathy and, and a big heart, you can go out and change others' lives so that at least when I do leave this world, I know that it wasn't all just sitting in my sadness and my, my, um, my life experience in the younger years of my life. Yeah. What I love about what you've just said, and, and I'm going to ask you to unpack that a little bit more because I'm sure that others who are listening and who are maybe also listening to the previous author's um, overview of their chapter, you said, um, I wrote the book for the younger me, this, the, the younger me. And, and it's interesting, isn't it, that no matter how old we get, there are still things in our past that we may have assumed um, that we dealt with that it no longer really impacted us but it's such a great reminder isn't it Jenny and, and the others have kind of confirmed this in their chapter too that we do need support there is healing if you will there is um, work to be done if you will to be able to reframe some of those things so that it can empower us forward the reason I say that is so often we beat ourselves up don't we when we do have to deal with things surface all of the time and that that's just an, uh, something that we all experience not just something that's only for the few isn't it the journey of healing and growing it's growing, it's growing. yeah 
I think um, for me, you know, I think um, the yearning to be loved and protected and heard was a very big part of um, how I went into my early adult years and continued through my life, through my marriage, everything. Um, it was about feeling that I was important and, and what and that people wanted to protect me. Those who were supposed to protect me were going to protect me and that if I gave and gave and gave and 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 gave every part of myself that I would be loved and cared for. And in the last few years, you know, being in my 50s, it's it's now about understanding that all I was doing was just replaying the roles of what I was in my early life. And so what I've really realised, even in my business, which which um, was a huge aha moment, you know, things would happen and I'd give to people and feel like I was doing all the right things and then they'd turn around and... and do something that devastated me. So, and I realised that that was a constant, a constant event that happened all through my life. Um, every time I thought I, I really um, gave gave respect and love and and all of that, that people would then turn around and, and hurt me, as I just said. And and that to me was um, I had to really sit down and unpack that and understand why that was happening. And I realised that. The only person who could love me and could stand up for me and be strong for me and arrive to what it was that I wanted was me. Mm-hmm. And when I made that decision, everything else in my life changed. You know, um, all of a sudden I realised that I didn't need other people for me to be cared about and loved. I just needed me. And um, to this day, it still blows me away. And, you know, it's taken me a long time, as we all know, you know, the greatest thing about getting older is that we become so much wiser and we've got, we get the the um, emotional ability to sit back and reread the chapter that we've done over and over and over again, to be able to sit there and say, okay, well, why is that? What, how do I need to change that up to make it the dream that I want? And, um and I'm fortunate enough at 52 to find myself in that position and I'm deliriously happy. And as um, Liz and Chrissy have said, it's it's about um, having those around you that support you and love you, like my husband of 36 years, you know, they've seen you through the worst of the worst and yet they're still there to be there with you. So, yeah, I love that. Jenny, something that you said there, which I really love, was, you know, you often, and we do, don't we, we often search in others for the thing that really we need to give ourselves and what a wonderful lesson that that was for you and, and that you can also impart. Now, one thing that I am going to just take a sneak peek from uh, your chapter of the book, and I'd love to dive into that a little bit more about how important that was for you, and that is you forgave your mother and you have a wonderful relationship because of that. How important is forgiveness as part of the healing journey? Oh, look, um, that that's a tough one, and it and it took a long time. But I, I think for me again, <clears throat> holding anger towards my mum and the decisions that she made years ago again, all that was going to do was torment me. You know, it was taking away something from me. It was it was giving energy to anger and sadness and loss and all the, the emotions that you have around that. I understand my mum had some horrendous demons and um, mental health played a big part in that. And so the way that she was in life was determined by those factors. Um, you know, we've discussed, we've sat down and discussed and I, I've said to her that I love her very much but I'll never forgive the choices that she's made, that she made. Um, and as a true champion that my mum is, she she said, yes, I made terrible choices. She was in a really bad place and she did. And I think the fact that she was willing to take ownership of it and not deny it or make me feel that what I was saying was wrong in some way, um, you know, because, of course, the life that I went through, um, then having a lot of mental health issues myself, I then still made the choice to not be that mother. And so I think from my mum being able to see that and see that the choices that I made to to let my stuff be separate to how I chose to be a mum and not want to be the same as my childhood, I think my mum's really respected that and the two of us are very close and, and she knows there's a line, you know. She knows that, you know, um, we have an, a, a great relationship but if, if that was ever 
to, to the way that she was was to ever enter our relationship, there wouldn't be one. So there's real boundaries and lines set in that. And her respect for me and my respect for her is to say that she's no longer the woman she was and I'm so proud to have her as the woman she is and she took a lot of work to do that um, and she had some horrific childhood experiences like myself. Um, and, you know, I think I think forgiveness is one of those things. That's about me. It's about me saying I'm going to step forward in my life. How How others choose to feel about that is up to them. I can't control that. All I can do is control my feelings and the way that I do life and and to love my mum and know that she's got somebody who cares about her and no matter what we've been through, that we're still really good friends and um, and with my dad as well and my sister. Um, you know, we're a great family and we're not we're far from perfect, my goodness, no. But, um, you know, I think forgiveness is, is a big thing, whether it's forgiving yourself for the choices you made or forgiving the people that might have come into your life and caused issues. You know, as soon as you let that go, the, the best thing in life is you feel so much lighter and it gives you the freedom to move forward. Yeah, so important. I think forgiveness often is one of, as you said, one of those very difficult uh, topics and people often assume that forgiving is saying what happened. Um, you know, we're forgetting that. That's not at all. It's really, it, it's it's cutting the emotional tie and baggage, isn't it, that will come from harbouring those uh, particular feelings and as, or, or feelings of what that situation uh, occurred. And I think uh, when we, I spoke to Chrissy and we talked about that saying that she often says too, you know, we all do the best with the resources we have available and the resources that your mother had at that stage were a certain amount of resources and uh, how wonderful it is that you've been able to talk about that with her and put into place, you know, clear boundaries, strong boundaries, which of course Liz has talked about the importance of boundaries as well. So if someone is struggling with with that, Jenny, maybe they're holding on to something. And I want to reconfirm what you said. If you hang on to that situation and you look at it negatively, and with all of the other speakers, Chrissy and and Liz, you're in a situation that really, if you'd been given the choice, you would not have said yes to that. I do not want that, pass that load on to, to someone else. You, you can look at it two ways, can't you? And however you choose to approach it is going to determine, are you going to work your way through that and get to where you can, as you said, release the load, have a new, you know, new pathway to, to better things. You've got a choice to make. So what would you say to someone today who was still harboring ill will towards someone and the things that could have happened to them may have been absolutely horrific, absolutely. What is going to, ha- going to happen if they don't, learn to forgive or or go through that process of forgiving and moving forward? What words of encouragement would you have for me? Well, I think basically you're burdening yourself. Like you don't have to forget what happened to you and there'll be days where you're still, like I know with my mental health and all sorts of things, I'll have days where I'm not in a good space but I'm okay to say that I'm just having a bad day and my brain health isn't, isn't functioning the way I need it to be. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you forget the atrocities that have happened or the, the terrible things people have done or, or whatever's happened to you that you have had no control over. I have this great analogy that I try to use. Um, you know, if I was standing neck deep in poo and there was four golden steps in front of me, sometimes it feels easier to sit in the stench because you feel safer there than the fear of knowing what it's like to step onto a golden stair. And it's it's just slowly working your way to the steps and putting one hand on and another hand on and one foot on and one foot on and understanding that the thing that's keeping you there is your fear, your fear of the unknown and your fear of what if I let the crap go um, because that's that's all holding you back. It's just, it's just that it, you've had it for so long it feels safe. So, you know, when you think about it, all of us would go, oh, no way would I want to be up to my neck in poo if there was golden stairs but when you're so frightened and you're so full of fear it feels safe so understand that where you are at the moment you're feeling very safe and that's okay but if you want to make a change you just need to take one little step forward and if it comes to there's a half step back then you just take another half a step forward 
It's slow and steady till you get there. It doesn't happen miraculously. The only person that can make a difference in your life is you. Yeah, I love that, Jenny. So, Jenny, as we're finishing up, I'd love for you to share how can people find out more about the work that you do and connect with you? Um, well, I have a big salon in Canberra. Um, we have the House of Bond page um, on our Facebook page. Um, I'm selling books from the salon um, and all the proceeds then go to the charities that I'm work, working with at the moment, which is the Tura Women's um, Domestic Violence Shelters and Act for Kids, which is to help children in trauma. Um, so, yeah, if you want to pop into the salon or call the salon, our number's on our website at Bond Hair Religion, and I'm happy to chat to anybody. Find me on Facebook just under Jenny Tarrant um, and anybody that wants to ask any questions or wants to know anything, I'm more than happy to speak to you at any time or message you. So... Fantastic. Well, you know, one thing I'm going to bring everybody back on again and, uh, you know, as we've heard today, each and every one of you and then the other authors as well who've all contributed a chapter to the book, there's nine different chapters with nine different unique stories, but there's been overlapping messages across all of them and we all learn from one another. So I would love to just go around the circle again or around the, the group and if there was one thing, so I'll start with you, Chrissy, then you, Liz, and then you, Jen. If there was one thing that you heard either Jenny or Liz say, Chrissy, um, what would that one thing that has stood out from you or for you from hearing either Liz or Jenny share a little bit about each of their chapters? What would that one thing be? Oh, all the other chapters have such beautiful nuggets. Um, specifically listening today, I really resonated when Liz was talking about going from that space of being superwoman, trying to do it all, trying to please everybody. And yes, just put it on my plate. Doesn't matter how high that piles. Um, because, and even like you said in my intro back, you know, in my London days, there was an element of burnout that started to affect my health. Um, and just having the ability to really take a step back, look at what's going on, and find those boundaries and just say no to the things that are not serving you. So there was so much with Jenny's. I'm, I'm really feeling very moved by some of that that I really, really connected with. But um, I'll, I'll just leave it with the one thing that, that learn, ladies, when you've got enough going on to protect yourself, look after your health and um, lose that mentality of multitasking is the best way to go because actually scientifically now... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We can absolutely. see that taking it all on. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks so much, Chrissy. What about you, Liz? What's one thing either from either Chrissy or Jenny that you're taking away today? I, I really love what both of them were saying and, and what Jenny was saying about the importance of forgiveness and it's about you. But the the other thing I really love that Chrissy said was was the analogy of the boats and that it's really important to actually wave to the other people on the boats that, um, you know, call out when when things, you know, if you're in rough seas, don't forget to ask for help. You know, if you are in that little boat with the one or ask for help. Um, and, and it's often in those moments that that you find out how many people are actually willing to help yeah. when you do actually ask. Absolutely. You've got a whole crew uh, standing by ready to uh, to be of support and assistance. Love, love that. And, Jenny, what about for you? Either Christy or Liz, something that they stand out? Oh, I'm with the other ladies. I agree. Um, I love the boat analogy and I loved um, I love about, you know, really putting yourself forward and, and realising your needs are above and beyond everything else in your life so that then you can be best for everybody. I love that um, as well. So, yeah, very empowering and incredible women. So congratulations, guys. Well, thank you to Chrissy and Liz and Jenny for joining us today and um, look forward to, um, I'm sure everybody is looking forward to reading each other's chapters, which you already have, but it's just those of you who are listening and watching the live stream. And the recording as well. Thanks again, ladies, on the show. Bye. Thanks, Emery. Thank you. Thank you.